Welcome to Indie Reads Aloud, a storytelling podcast with your host, Diana Catherine Plopa. Come gather round, grab a snack, and listen to a story. Each week, we'll feature a new indie author with a story to tell. There are no long-winded interviews, no sales pitches, just stories. Most of the stories we'll tell will be family-friendly, but if they're not, you'll get fair warning before the reading begins. If you want to hear more, investigate the story notes for links to the author and where to buy their books. You can find us at dkpwriter.com. And now, sit back, relax, and listen to a story. Welcome to another episode of Indie Reads Aloud Radio. This is a storytelling podcast where we introduce you to independent authors and authors from small press, and we let them read a little bit for you so that you can get hooked on their books, which I know you will after you hear them. Today, we are going to hear a story read by Amy Kelso. I love Amy. She does such wonderful things. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here. Thank you for having me. I am super excited about this because this is a brand new book. Um, hasn't even actually been released yet, so this is pretty exciting. I was going to say fresh off the press, but it's not even off the press yet. It's not yeah, even off the press yet. It's <laughs> very exciting. I, I'm really pleased that you decided to share it with us for the first time. So thank you so much. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about Amy. Amy Kelso wrote her first book in fourth grade when she was only 10. The book, Where Am I?, won second place in a writing competition in school on that day. Amy decided that she wanted to be a writer. Uh, No wonder. It's taken her years of writing and learning and dreaming, but now she has eight books published, four of which can be found in the Mystikos fantasy series. And if you haven't read those yet, I highly recommend them. Super fun, even for grown-ups. Amy has a bachelor's degree in English and art, as well as a master's degree in education, literacy, and special education. Like, she doesn't know enough things. (laughs) Uh, She is also a national board certified teacher. She has been a middle school and high school teacher for the past 15 years, where she has... 18 now. I should have said that. 18 now. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Um, And she's seen young people struggle with horrible things like bullying and the difficulties of learning to accept who they are within themselves and even dealing with the death of parents, which is always a tough thing to get through. All of these experiences, in addition to her own life, are woven into her stories. And I'm not going to tell too much about it. You'll have to go to her website and visit her Facebook page to learn more. But she's doing a fun thing with the Mystikos summer camp this year. So if you're a fan of the Mystikos fantasy series, you'll want to go check that out. Stalker, find it. It's super fun. (laughs) So Amy currently lives in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, where she likes to spend as much time as she can outdoors, communing with the trees, the stars, the birds, and the lakes. She's a nature gal. Uh, It's through nature that she has been able to discover the answers to questions like why and how, why things happen the way they do, 
and how we can find meaning in the bad things that happen in our lives. And I would imagine the good things too. Yeah. For Amy, the answer is to help others. And she does that beautifully through her writing. Thank you so much, Amy. I, you and I have become friends over the last couple years here and I had, I am so honored to know you and, and I'm thrilled <laughs> that you're going to be reading to us today. This is super fun. Um, so tonight, the new book you're going to be reading from is The Future Belongs to Those Who Believe. Can you tell us a little bit about this short story collection? Um, so it's all, it's a collection of short stories. They're science fiction, but not necessarily like you'd automatically think with science fiction. It's not like space battles and stuff. Um, really what it is, is just stories about the future and how maybe we can make the future a better one for ourselves and for our children and the next generations coming up. Um, so it's really the, a lot of different questions about, well, what if and what could happen if we did this or that and kind of just exploring that. Um, so some people would call it speculative fiction. Would that be um, accurate? That could be, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, I am ready whenever you are, please. The microphone is yours. Read aloud. Okay, so I'm going to read um, a story called a Free Trip to the Moon. Um, this was actually written and based on a prompt about the idea of a guaranteed living income and how that would affect people. So I took that and decided to, well, what if this happened? And so this is what came out. Here we go. Free Trip to the Moon. Adventurers wanted, the sign said. Join us on the moon colony. All are welcome. Make history, get a fresh start. Guaranteed living income for all settlers. No work required. Go to www.mooncolony.com for more information. When Sarah read the sign, her heart leapt in her chest, especially at that last part, guaranteed living income, or as her mind automatically translated, freedom. She blinked her eyes twice in rapid succession in order to tell her augmented contacts to take a picture of the flyer. She would download the picture at home and show it to Jack, if she had the nerve. Although she had a feeling she already knew what his response would be, she had to ask. After all, his response would decide everything. Then she hurried to finish her walk and get back to the apartment in time to serve Jack his dinner when he got home from work, just as she had done every night for the last 33 years. She hadn't been cooking just for Jack all those years, of course. There had been the kids, two boys and a girl. They had had to fight for permission for the third child. Two was the set limit for kids. But Sarah wanted a girl, and after two boys, she was willing to fight for permission to have one, promising, among other things, to never work outside the home until the kids were all grown and gone. Jack's job as the senior operation operations consultant for CEI Technologies afforded them a very comfortable life. So there was no need for Sarah to work anyway. Plus, Jack enjoyed her having her to wait on him when he got home every day. So Sarah got the girl she wanted and Jack got the wife he wanted and everyone was happy. But now that the kids were all out of the house, living their own lives, Sarah found herself longing for something more. What that something more was, she didn't know. That is, until earlier that day, when she read the sign in the community gardens, where she always went for her walk. 
She didn't know what adventures awaited her on the moon, but she knew all too well what she'd be leaving behind. So I saw something today, Sarah told Jack, as the meal was winding down, after she knew for sure he'd had enough to eat and would be willing to at least listen to her. Then she handed him a printout of the picture she had taken earlier. Every detail of the sign captured flawlessly. Jack read it in silence and grunted. <laughs> ha, looks like the government is getting desperate to populate that old moon base. Must be no one wants to go there. They have to bribe people to get them to even consider it. It's not a bribe, Sarah tried to clarify. It's just a guaranteed base income. Enough so people don't have to worry. If they can't find a job, they'll, they'll know they're still safe, that they can feed themselves and have a roof over their heads. Yeah, exactly, Jack said. And do you know what kind of people they're going to get with this guaranteed living income? Lazy ones, that's who. People who aren't willing to work and make a living for themselves. That's the kind of people they'll get. The kind who just want things handed to them. Jack had always prided himself on being a self-made man. He had worked hard to get where he was in the company, often working 60 to 80 hours a week. He had missed seeing his boys' basketball games, every one of them. He had never once been to his daughter's violin recitals. Even now, when he could see his boys playing on, for the NBA on demand whenever he wanted, or watch one of his daughter's internationally broadcast concerts with the click of a button, he didn't have time to bother with such things. His job had afforded him many things in life, including private coaches to help their children become so successful. What his job did not provide for him was the time to appreciate it. I wanna go, Sarah told her husband, almost in a whisper. You what? <laughs> Jack looked at her like she was from another planet. Why would, you, why would we wanna leave everything we have for some godforsaken ball of dust? It's not just dust up there anymore, not anymore. You know the government's been working hard to terraform it. They have gardens up there and trees and rivers and grass and everything, just like here on earth. Better than on earth, they say, since they don't have the pollution we're dealing with. That's not the point, Sarah, Jack scowled angrily. The real question is, why would you want to leave everything we have here? That was the one question that Sarah could not answer. Not to Jack. Not after all he'd done to support the family for so long. Not after she let him support her for so long. The truth was simple and yet impossible to say. She didn't love Jack. She didn't, hadn't loved him for years and years, if she ever loved him at all. He gave her security. He allowed her to raise her children comfortably. If it weren't for Jack and all his hard work, she would never have been given the chance to have a third child. And Sarah couldn't imagine her life or the world without her daughter in it. But for all these things, and for all these things, she would be eternally grateful. But that didn't erase the one basic fact. She did not love him. In fact, on nights when she was feeling particularly honest with herself, she had to admit that she didn't even like him all that much. Unable to say all that to the man who she owed her entire adult life to, she simply sat there in silence. Well, Jack said at last, you can forget this foolish nonsense now because I'm not going anywhere. I didn't expect you to go, Sarah replied quietly, calmly. I'm going alone.
She was surprised at herself for saying that and just as surprised at how calm she felt. But there was no need to get upset, no need to argue. This wasn't something to fight about. It was just a simple fact. Jack would stay here in the world he loved, doing what he loved, working all the time. But Sarah was leaving at last. It took a moment before Jack said anything, as if his mind had been stopped in its tracks by something so unexpected, something so unknown, he couldn't quite process it. Sarah didn't blame him. She had never once given him any reason to suspect that she wasn't happy where she was. No wonder this idea was hard to grasp. Finally, Jack spoke again. Oh, no, you don't, he told her forcefully. I don't know who's been talking to you to put this fool notion into your head, but you can forget it now. You're not going to the moon. You're going to stay right here with me where you belong. No, I'm not, Sarah replied calmly, surprising herself yet again. She had never disagreed with Jack, not in all their time together. Even during the struggle to get permission to have their daughter, if Jack had told her to stop, she would have in a heartbeat. But this, this was different. This time she had a way out and she was gonna take it. A week later, she found herself walking to the Moon Life Complex with a small suitcase containing all that she cared about in the world. She could have brought more. Some people had brought truckfuls of things, she noticed, watching them unpack. But when it came time for Sarah to pack, she found there wasn't much she wanted to keep. All that she owned really belonged to Jack. He had bought it for her. And to be honest, most of it wasn't really what she wanted in the first place. But she did bring her laptop. The moon colony, she had been told, was within range of the Earth's satellites. She could still hollow chat with her children whenever she wanted. As far as they were concerned, it would be like she never left. If, that is, they ever forgave her for leaving their dad. Sarah sat down on a nearby bench, just watching the other people prepare for the trip of their life. She felt a bit out of place with her one suitcase and no real plans for the future. She knew what she was leaving behind, but really, did she have any idea what she wanted to do once she got to her destination? She didn't have to work. The guaranteed living would take care of her living expenses. But did she want to work? And if so, what would she do? What did she really know how to do other than run a household? Perhaps she thought this whole idea was foolish. Maybe she should turn around right now before it was too late and beg Jack to take her back. He might if only to save face. But was that what she really wanted? Of course not, she replied aloud to herself, as if she needed to hear her own answer. I'm not giving up now. Good for you, replied a young woman as she sat down next to Sarah. Don't give up now, our adventure's only just beginning. <laughs> Sarah blushed, embarrassed at being caught talking to herself. She never did that. Well, at least not in public. When she had been home alone for days on end, well, that was different. Sometimes she just had to hear a voice, any voice, or she'd go crazy. My name's Jenny, the younger woman told her, smiling. And if you don't mind, I would love to hear your story and document it, if you're willing, she added. She had one of those tablets that records what you said and instantly transferred it into print, the kind reporters had been using for years. 
How do you know I have a story? Sarah asked in return. Jenny smiled sincerely. Everyone going on this trip has a story. As for me, I intend to interview every one of the 285 passengers now and then again, maybe a year from now, to see where they are, to see if this adventure has been all they dreamed it would be. Is that your story then? Sarah asked, easily deflecting the question of her own reason for being there. Are you a reporter? Jenny laughed. Well, <laughs> I wasn't. I was a shoe salesperson. But that was yesterday in my old life. Now everything can change. Now I can be whatever I want to be, just like all of us can. No more being held down by a job we don't want to make money to pay bills for things we don't need. Yes, she replied after a moment, I am a reporter now. I will write down everyone's story. I will share them with the world. I will explore how this op opportunity has made us all free to be who we really want to be. And I'll see how having that chance will affect people. Will they thrive with the faint freedom to follow their passions? Or will that freedom be too much for them? Will they fall back into their old roles because the familiar feels safer? I will see. I will tell the world. Sarah smiled at the young woman, at her face all lit up with passion. She didn't know if everyone on this trip would thrive with their new freedom, but she had no doubt that Jenny would. You will, of course, keep our identities secret, won't you? Sarah asked, suddenly worried. She might not love Jack, but she didn't want to hurt him by making him look bad to, her co to his coworkers. Naturally, Jenny replied with another smile. What stories have you heard so far? Sarah asked, continuing to deflect the question of her own story. She wasn't sure she was willing to share it yet. She wasn't even sure she wanted to think about it too much yet, to be honest. My husband, I, I mean, my ex-husband, Jack, said that everyone who's going just wants the free money because they're lazy and don't want to work. Jenny's happy countenance darkened for a moment. Yeah, I heard that a lot from people who aren't going. Maybe it's their way to try to justify their own cowardness. It's not easy to pack up everything you own and start over on a new planet. Jenny shrugged. So far, out of everybody I've talked to, I found two things in common. The first is that they all have a story, a reason for making this trip. The second thing is that they are all brave. And there's not a single one I've met so far that I'd consider lazy. Sarah sat for a while in silence, thinking, did she fall into the category of being brave? She didn't feel brave. <laughs> she felt more scared than she'd been in all her life. And yet she had to admit that it had taken bravery for her to get this far. Telling Jack she was leaving was probably the bravest thing she'd ever done. See that couple over there, Jenny said, pointing to a young couple who seemed to be deeply engrossed and staring into each other's eyes. They're running away to the moon to elope. They're just hoping their parents don't figure out where they are until the rocket takes off. Sarah smiled. Some things never change, do they? She asked. Jenny smiled back and nodded. And there, Jenny said, pointing to another young man. That's the preacher who's going to perform the ceremony, though he doesn't know it yet. He's going to get to set up his own parish, one where he can preach the good word as he understands it, not just how he's been told to. Jenny was on a roll. He is a painter, she said, pointing to a middle-aged man who looked more to Sarah like a plumber. But who is she to judge, she reminded herself. 
That one fi fixes antique watches, she added, pointing to another. What about that woman over there, Sarah asked, the one who looks like a model? <laughs> oh, her? <laughs> well, she is a model. She was a model on Earth and plans to stay one on the moon. <laughs> but, Jenny added with a twinkle in her eyes, she also plans to eat on the moon as much as her heart desires. She's tired of being told that models have to be paper thin and she wants to challenge the bias. The nice thing about going to the moon is, even if nobody is willing to pay for pictures, it doesn't matter. She'll still pose for them all the same. She doesn't need the money to survive. And he's the one, Jenny added, pointing to a small unassuming man behind her that Sarah hadn't even noticed before. He's the one who's gonna take her pictures. Jenny looked at them and smiled. He's in love with her, you see. He's tried to convince her of it for years, but she doesn't believe him. She can't believe that he really loves her and not just her body. We'll see what an extra 10 moon pounds will do for them both. Sarah laughed, imagining the model with an extra 60 earth pounds. She would probably look better than that way, Sarah decided. Yes, she thought everyone had a story, a dream that they hoped to reach by leaving the planet behind. All of them except her. She knew what she was leaving, but I don't know what I'm going to do once I get there, Sarah confessed to this bright young woman. I guess I'm just coming for the guaranteed living income. Is that bad? Jenny looked at her with a twinkle in her eyes. Are you my first lazy person? She asked jokingly. Sarah blushed, suddenly embarrassed. Oh, no, it's not that I don't want to work. I, I do. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I haven't had a job outside the home for over 30 years. I don't even know what I could do. Well, Jenny replied, suddenly acting very businesslike. I happen to be looking for an assistant to help me with my project. As I said, there are 285 people making the move to the moon colony. And I want to interview everyone, both kids and adults, now and later, to see how their plans turned out. That's a lot of interviews, a lot of information I need to collect and sort through. I could use some help. So tell me, Sarah, she added in a formal tone, what qualifications can you bring to this job? I don't, I mean, I, Sarah stumbled with the answer. Do you have good command of the English language? Jenny asked. Yes. Are you task-oriented? Of course, Sarah replied, thinking of the million tasks task it took to run a household. Are you good at organizing events, making schedules, and seeing that events run smoothly? Again, Sarah thought of running a household and nodded. <laughs> As for the last question, Jenny continued, I don't even have to ask. Are you good at making people feel comfortable enough to want to talk to you? I already know that's a yes, she said with a wink. So there it is, the job's yours, if you want it. Sarah sat there for a moment, trying to process what had just happened. Had she just had an interview? Had she been offered a job? She hadn't even left for the moon yet. I can't offer to pay you much, Jenny confessed, but then I get the feeling you're not concerned about the money. <laughs> Jenny laughed then, a big hearty belly laugh. Isn't that a good feeling, she continued? To be able to make a decision about your life based on what you really want to do instead of on what you have to do to survive, I think I'm going to love it on the moon. Me too, Sarah agreed. And yes, I would love to work for you. Not for me, Jenny corrected. 
with me. The next year of Sarah's life seemed to fly by, almost faster than the rocket that had taken them to the moon. Sarah was busier than she'd ever been in her life, but happier too. Between scheduling the interviews and hosting events to get the settlers together, Jenny and Sarah's comparing their versions of everyone's story, stories, discussing which parts to include in the final book they were writing about the journey, and even how to word it. Sarah discovered she had a knack for writing, and Jenny, being much more interested in interviewing the settlers than in the nitty gritty of writing the stories down, let Sarah do most of it. So Jenny became the reporter after all, doing the majority of the interviews, and Sarah became the writer she never knew she was meant to be. As for the settlers' stories, well, some of, some of them turned out well and others not so well. The young couple that had eloped were now getting a divorce. She wanted to stay on the moon. He was planning on leaving on the first rocket heading back to Earth. The painter had made 365 new paintings, one a day for a year. Nobody could claim that he was the next Rambeau. In fact, nobody even wanted to buy any of his paintings, <laughs> but he was happy doing them. And that was what really mattered. The model and her photographer were getting married on the one year anniversary of the arrival to the moon. The day the rocket would be coming with a load of new settlers, as well as to take back anyone who wanted to return to Earth. Some were going home. Others felt they were already home here on the moon. Actually, the model and the photographer weren't the only ones getting married on that auspicious day. Sarah and Jenny had discovered that not only did they enjoy working together, they loved just being together. On a world where they could be whatever they wanted to be, they discovered that they really wanted, what they really wanted was to be together forever. Sarah thought she couldn't be any more surprised. Who would have ever suspected just over a year ago that she would leave her husband, move to the moon and become a writer and meet her future wife. But fate had one more trick up its sleeve, a passenger on the rocket that Sarah would never have expected, her daughter. She came up to play the violin for her mom's wedding ceremony and to live on the moon and do what she loved without ever having to worry again if what she loved provided enough money to survive. In olden times, people used to make wishes upon the stars. But as it turned out, it wasn't the stars that granted wishes. Instead, the dreams of their hearts finally came true on the moon. Thank you. That was a lovely story. Wow. That's so much fun. I am looking forward to reading this collection. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to stalk you until it's released. <laughs> well, it should be soon. Hopefully by the end of April, it will be out. So Excellent. Um, tell me, what was your favorite part about writing this collection? Um, well, actually, for all of I was thinking with this story, but with all the stories, it was really kind of discovering it because it, they all started with a what if, you know, what if there was a guaranteed income to move to the moon? What would how would people respond? And I didn't have an answer when I started writing any of these. And as I wrote, the stories kind of told themselves and I found the answer myself. So that was probably the most fun part. I, I'm going to ask one more question because okay. the curiosity is just making <laughs> me crazy. How did you find the what ifs? That's a good question. They just come to me. I don't know. It's just like, how could we have this happen? Well, what if we did? 
So yeah. these were uh, what-ifs that came into your mind, not what-ifs that were given to you in the way of a prompt or a suggestion from someone else. Most of the time. A couple of them were stories that were prompts. Okay. Um, but a lot of them were just kind of questions that I had and how could we... Um, See, that's even, a more, future. That's so, even yeah. more fun to me because as a reader, I get to know you as an author more deeply because I know that this is a creation almost solely out of your own imagination. Yep. That's super fun. <laughs> and it's super definitely, you know, a lot of kind of just what, my, what I hope could be possible in the future, what we could make the future if we actually did what we could do, what, what I know as humans we can do. Absolutely. I am looking forward to this. Thank you so much for coming on and reading to us. Thank I you for having me. Yeah. Back and read more of your work. Definitely. I really want to share Mysticos with everybody. Okay. So perhaps you can come back another time and read from some of that for us. Definitely, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. I appreciate you and I am grateful for your friendship. Same to you, for sure. I'm grateful for all that you do for all of us indie writers. So, Thank you. Have a wonderful night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Indie Reads Aloud Radio. We hope you'll join us again next week for another story. If you're an indie author and you'd like to share your story with us, visit our website at dkpwriter.com to sign up and read aloud.